Then you will truly be successful. Turn the page. And we know all things work together for the good. Gotta work together. The good. Gotta work together. Oh. And we know all things work together for the good. Gotta work together. The good to those who love God. He has word on your lips. To those who are called. Meditate on your day and According to be his purpose. Be careful to do what purpose. It's his purpose, Ooh. not mine. And we know all things work together for the good. Gotta work together. The good. Gotta work together. Oh. And we know all things work together for the It's day four of our 90-day challenge and the topic is purpose is about perspective. Genesis, the 41st chapter and the 46th verse. When Jacob learned that there was grain in Egypt, he said to his sons, why do you just keep looking at each other? He continued, I have heard that there is grain in Egypt, so go down there and buy some for us so that we may live and not die. Then 10 of Joseph's brothers went down to buy grain from Egypt, but Jacob did not send Benjamin. Joseph's brother with the others because he was afraid that harm might come to him. So Israel's sons were among those who went to buy grain, for there was famine in the land of Canaan. Now Joseph was the governor of the land, the person who sold grain to all its people. So when Joseph's brothers arrived, they bowed down to him with their faces to the ground. Joseph was 30 years old when he entered into the service of Pharaoh the king. And Joseph went out from Pharaoh's presence and traveled throughout Egypt. During the seven years of abundance, the land produced plentifully. Joseph collected all the good food. Joseph collected all the food produced in those seven years of abundance in Egypt and stored it in the cities. In each city, he put the food grown in the fields surrounding it. Joseph stored up huge quantities of grain like the sand of the sea. It was so much that he stopped keeping records because it was beyond measurable. Before the years of famine came, two sons were born to Joseph by Isanath, daughter of Potiphar, priest of On. Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh and said, it is because God has made me forget all my trouble in all my father's household. The second son he named Ephraim and said, it is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. The seven years of abundance in Egypt came to an end and the seven years of famine began, just as Joseph has said. There was famine in all the other lands, but in the whole land of Egypt, there was food. When all Egypt began to feel the famine, the people cried to Pharaoh for food. Then Pharaoh told all the Egyptians, go to Joseph and do what he tells you. When the famine had spread over the country, Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold grain to the Egyptians for the famine was severe throughout Egypt. And all the world came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph because the famine was severe everywhere. Genesis 42 and 6. 
Now, Joseph was the governor of the land, the person who sold grain to all its people. So when Joseph's brothers arrived, they bowed down to him with their faces to the ground. Genesis 50, 20. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. And again, our topic today is purpose is about perspective. It's so funny how two people can have the same experience and yet walk away with two different conclusions. The accompanying book I chose for this particular purpose thought is titled, Life is So Good. One man's extraordinary journey through the 20th century and how he learned to read at age 98. You see, earlier in his life, this beautiful man, George Dawson, was terminated from his job because he did not know how to write his own signature. Yet at the end of his life, he spends the last five years learning how to read. So at age 100, this was the first time in his adult life that he could read the birthday cards that were written for him. He accomplished this five-year goal of learning to read in six months. You see, Dawson is the main character of this story, but several people helped his dream to become a reality. Carl Henry, for example, a retired educator, was purposed to teach George Dawson how to read. Larry Bingham, who was a columnist for a local newspaper in their town, wrote about the story between Carl and George. And then Oprah heard that there was this man who had learned to read and brought George onto her show to tell the world. There was then Random House who was watching, decided to write a book, but they needed someone to co-write it. And it was a man by the name of Richard Globman who had read the article, saw the interview, and decided that he was going to come out of retirement to help this 98-year-old man write his story. All of them were walking in purpose. And an unknown superintendent, after all of this has happened, decides in Texas to rename a school the George Dawson Middle School. Now, thousands of students walk inside of George Dawson Middle School and they see a statue of this man in their hallway. What an example of purpose. Each person fulfilled purpose and helped Dawson to carry out his. Imagine if one person didn't do their part. Imagine if one person removed himself or herself from the equation. Quite possibly, we wouldn't know who George Dawson is. Because one voice, one email, one name, one person can change the game forever. The circle of purpose always leads to a road of communal fulfillment. You may not be the main character in this book today, but your contribution still matters. George Dawson's story is one of the most moving stories I have ever read. Not only does he chronicle the pain of segregation in his book, and not only does he have a beautiful sense of humor, and not only can he give us some relational device because Dawson had four wives, okay? But Dawson tells this story about wanting to buy his dream house that took my breath away. In his book, he says this, I once had plans to build a new house. I had the lot and everything. It was nice, pleasant, and it was a great piece of ground. It was gonna be nice. 
For the first time in my life, I was going to live in a new house, but one of my daughters got cancer. That was seven years ago. She ran out of money for treatment. The insurance wouldn't pay for it. I think they argued, but she couldn't get them to pay and she didn't have a lot of time. So I sold the lot and used the money to help her. I think the treatment might have helped some. I don't know, but she didn't make it. Maybe it was too late. Watching my little girl die was the hardest thing. That was a good while ago and it still hurts. She was living in California. I flew out to see her. That was my first time on an airplane. People asked me, what did I do? Nothing to do. I just went on. Everybody has their time. And it ain't up to me when that will be. At those times, my faith helped me to keep going. I've been a member of the same church since 1928. That's how it is that I'm still in this house. This little house treated me fine, though. Someday, I should maybe give it a new roof. When it rains heavy, I might have to put some buckets in the living room to catch the water coming through. There's a room where the electricity don't come on no more. And in the kitchen, the linoleum is crumbling, but it's got everything I need. Wow. That little house had everything Dawson needed. Friends, I, I wonder... Are we wasting precious dollars and days trying to buy a house that doesn't even give us everything we need? Are we slaving to get to our part-time job to buy clothes and cars that don't even give us what we need? At the end of your tenure here, will it really matter that you had the dopest device? What good would it be to have the best and not fulfill the purpose for which you have been called? Purpose is about perspective. It's so funny how two people can have the same experience and walk away with different conclusions. Here's my question for you today. What are you doing with your life? What excuses have kept you from going back to school, paying off debt, living the life that you deserve? Yesterday, we talked about Joseph. And I see so many parallels between George Dawson in this book and Joseph in the Bible. Joseph's story is one of triumph, tragedy, and elevation. His pit to palace theme inspires all of us to have faith in a God despite the circumstances. I rarely hear a sermon about Joseph without a preacher saying, be careful who you share your dreams with because the wrong brothers will put you in a pit. And I agree. This is true. Sometimes we talk too much. Sometimes we give too many people access to the passwords of our hearts. Sometimes we are guilty of oversharing with people who don't deserve access. There are even times that we fall by the sword of our own loose tongue. I get it. And when we do not discipline ourselves to keep some things a secret, the world will publish our breaking story without our permission. So, yes, preacher, I agree. It is important to guard your tongue, to guard your heart, and to consider those with whom you share your dreams. But can I offer some perspective? Did it ever occur to you that maybe Joseph's mistake gave his destiny permission to begin? Did it ever occur to you that Joseph's promotion might not have even happened had Joseph kept his mouth shut? Just think, what if God allowed Joseph in his naivete to spill the seeds of his future into the garden of his brothers, all so that the planting process could begin? I just want to offer you some perspective. What if jealousy was his fertilizer? What if betrayal was his water? And what if false accusation 
was the sunlight he needed to spring forth into a palace he would have never seen if he hadn't opened his mouth. An abundance he would have never enjoyed if he hadn't opened his mouth. A God he would have never known if the people, places, and things he put his trust into hadn't forsaken him. Here's the point. What if the mistake that you keep wishing never happened was the best decision of your life? What if your most humiliating memory helped you to develop a heart of love for those that most people won't? We all have something in our past that we wish never happened. Someone has a criminal record. You wish it could go away. Someone else has made poor love choices that left them with five kids and a rerouted destiny. Still, someone else feels like they weren't exposed to life because church was all that they knew. But what if all of this was a part of the master plan of purpose? What if God included the messiness of your mistake into the recipe of your destiny in order that you might be the person you are today? Joseph, George Dawson, Sean Saunders, and you stop beating yourself up for something God is not shocked about, for something that was in your past that may have been meant to promote you to your future. Let me share a secret with you. God knew. God knew you would cry before you cried. God knew. God knew they would die before they died. God knew. God knew you would make the mistake and still he hired you for the job. God knew. God knew before the foundation of the world and still trusted you with his purpose. God knew that you would read these words and spend the next 90 days making a permanent pivot. The pit was for purpose. The prison was for purpose. And yes, the palace is even for purpose. Now get this. I do not glory in my mistakes because some things I brought on myself unnecessarily. However, I will no longer allow my mistakes to guilt me. There is no condemnation to those who are in the Lord. So I will not let personal paranoia or human guilt keep me from doing what God has called me to do because God knew. So whether your brothers squeal on you or plot your demise or steal your idea, God is in control. This idea God has given you is brilliant. So you better do it before I steal it. Your heart is too big to play this small. All things work together for the good, including the bad things. So today, I want you to look back over every mistake you've made and trace its trail down to the door of destiny. You might discover that it was the best mistake you ever made. Our passage from Genesis reminds us that Joseph had perspective. He was 30 years old and was killing it as a governor. He didn't waste his time lamenting over a pit. He pursued purpose. He didn't fall in love with the trauma of his story when Potiphar's wife falsely accused him. No, he pursued purpose. He didn't turn off the lights and drown himself in depressive ideations, replaying the scenes of pain over and over again. No, he did not spend his days planning to retaliate and cause harm to the cupbearer who forgot about him. No, he pursued purpose. And my question is simple. What are you doing with your life? You're 21 now. Do it. You're 65 now. Do it. You're 35 now. Do it. I pray that Joseph's story at 30 and George's story at 98 
will eliminate all excuses. But if neither their stories speak to you, let me tell you my story. On June 22nd, 2020, the year of vision as preachers dubbed it, a pandemic hit the world. I traveled to Maryland to help a friend to produce a virtual concert from his home. I caught the train alone. I checked into my hotel alone. I went to eat alone. I caught my Uber alone. I got to the house around 8.15 and that was the first time I had been around people that day. 25 minutes later, I had a stroke. A stroke that resulted in me going to the hospital. The ER doctor telling me that I have to have an emergency surgery called a thrombectomy. I had, within 24 hours, a choice to make. The team there helped me to live and over the next course of 19 days, I spent in a hospital after a stroke, recovering from my pit. 24 hours later, I wake up in ICU and I realize I cannot feel my leg. I have another surgery called a fasciotomy and then spend the next couple of months recovering from something I did not even see coming. The man who transported me to the hospital was walking in purpose. The nurse who prayed for me when fear gripped me tightly was walking in purpose. The friends who checked on me for those 19 days and prayed for me, you prayed for me for 19 days every single night. They were walking in purpose. No visitors, no chaplain. I laid there in an empty room, no advocates, hoping that I would be able to get out of the bed to see my child again. Purpose in 66 happened because the stroke happened. There's no way I would have stopped my life on my own to write a book that would change yours. But my pit gave me perspective. And now, just maybe, Purpose in 66 is birthed into the world to help you to gain the decision, the determination, the motivation to write your own. Because purpose is about perspective. I wonder what God wants to do in your life if you turn this pit, this prison, and this pain into purpose. So your purpose project today is to go and do a timeline. Think about your life, list the highs and the lows, list what your previous perspective was and then list what your new perspective is and then answer this question. What can I accomplish within the next 12 months that will catapult me out of my prison into my palace? Let's pray. God, I trust you. I trust that all things work together for the good. I also trust that if it's not good yet, then you're not done yet. God, in this current chapter I am in, grant me proper perspective. Help me not to waste precious time on things that truly do not matter. I promise not to major on a minor. Thank you for being an intentional God. Not only am I praying to walk in purpose today, but I am also praying that you would help me to help others walk in theirs. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh
Yeah. 